Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda. This week on The Agenda, travel chaos. As Europe prepares for its summer season, are airports and airlines set for takeoff? Europe's trade body for airports, Air Council International, says delays are inevitable at two-thirds of European airports this summer, with many travellers facing their plans being cancelled altogether. But with lockdowns largely lifted and most COVID tests scrapped, why are we still struggling to get around? When countries imposed lockdowns, demand for travel hit a record low, prompting mass redundancies across the sector. Aviation lost 2.3 million jobs globally during the pandemic. As many as one in two jobs in business travel were also at risk at the pandemic's peak. Since COVID rules were lifted, the appetite for travel has surged, but acute staff shortages mean the sector's struggling to keep up with demand. On top of that, in Europe, it's a sector often on strike for higher wages. Already this summer, industrial action has hit Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, several airports in Italy and at Scandinavian Airlines, whose pilots recently decided to abandon their cockpits in Norway, Sweden and Denmark. So how can Europe save the summer? Well, governments have called on airlines to cancel flights in advance to limit the chaos at airports. Lufthansa has already cancelled more than a thousand flights for July and Gatwick Airport in the UK has slashed its summer capacity. As others follow suit, it's thought around one in ten flights will need to be scrapped. Meanwhile, Europe's racing to hire thousands of new staff to cope with what's being dubbed revenge travel as people try to make up for holidays lost during the pandemic. Airports in Germany, France, Spain and the Netherlands are offering perks like pay rises and bonuses for workers who refer a friend. But hiring and particularly training new staff takes time, with industry analysts warning every second counts to prevent the chaos continuing beyond the summer peak. So let's first find out what the situation is on the ground and speak to Gordon Dewar, who's the CEO of Scotland's busiest airport, Edinburgh. Good to see you. But look, cancellations, delays, queues, lost luggage, ruined holidays. Whose fault is this uncomfortable situation when it comes to flying? Is it the airports? Is it the airlines? Is it the tour operators? Or is it, as some say, Brexit? It's, it's all of the above. You know, we, we none of us have got the numbers of staff would like, which means that, you know, we're having to rely upon people going the extra mile. It means that the service levels aren't where we'd like to be. That goes across the campus, whether it's us as an airport, whether it's uh, the handling companies, whether it's the retailers, whether it's the airlines themselves. You know, we've seen, you know, huge issues around that. Then on top of that, we're, we're a complex system. You know, we are dependent upon aircraft coming in from all over Europe and beyond. Um, if air traffic control in Europe's a bit sticky, then people come off schedule and that, that adds to the challenges. So, you know, none, it's no fault in the sense that, you know, these, these are complex systems and everyone's doing their best in, in difficult circumstances. But as you mentioned, Brexit means that one of the challenges of recruiting is we don't have European people that we can get into employment. Um, so there's one resource or one possible solution to recruitment not available anymore. That's certainly not helping, but it's not the it's not the predominant cause. It's a combination of lots of things, largely the fact we've gone from a standing start to 80% of 2019 in four months flat. Why isn't the industry scaling up fast enough? Because it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it was only February that we had the restrictions taken off. Now, despite that, we've been in full 
um, recruitment mode since October 21. So we went, you know, we took what well, I think at the time was actually quite a brave decision to assume that this summer was going to be busy and start tooling for it. So, we, you know, in terms of recruitment from way that back. But from putting a job advert out to having a trained security employee that's been um, certified and has got the pass that goes through government um, checks as well as all the things we have to do is typically four or five months. So, you know, when you're starting in October, the first people that we were recruiting and bringing in were starting in February when we were still at a standing start. But this is an incredibly complex um, set of circumstances where, you know, people's confidence in aviation back in December would have been pretty patchy when we were going into a microphone and further lockdowns. Um, so we're doing everything we can at our power, but it's a very tight with the market. It's a very challenging environment to work in. And in the circumstances, I think we've, uh, as an industry, I think we've, we've done pretty heroic thing to get to where we are, but it's nowhere near the level of service that we want to be offering. Looking back then over the turbulence of the last few years, do you think that the industry cut back too far during the pandemic? Well, first of all, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? So if we'd known everything was going to pan out, we might have done some things differently. We might have... Um, you know, maybe done less cuts if you could be with confidence at the time we had to make these decisions, know what was going on. But equally, I think a lot of businesses might not have survived it. We were in two years of full lockdown um, where we had virtually no demand or very low demand over that time. And equally, it was changing by the day. You know, I think the government would now acknowledge that the Omicron restrictions that put on for international travel only, we were all fighting for survival. Um, Edinburgh Airport alone lost £100 million over the last two years. If we hadn't taken some of these cost reduction measures, we might not have been here at all. So, you know, it's very easy to say back and say, oh, you should have done differently. Well, I would, I would counter, you know, when governments are saying up until the day before that one thing is going to be the case and then changing their mind, it's very hard to have a sensible planning environment when the environment changes on a literally daily basis with no certainty whatsoever. So let's go from looking back to, to looking forward and handling this increased demand. Many airlines have got to limit the number of flights they fly. Do you think that's realistic and the, that the only lever left is to fly less? Well, the, the decision should be don't try and fly anything beyond your capability. There's no point in selling tickets for something that it gets cancelled on the day. I, don't, I think that's the worst possible outcome. So we are trying to help airlines understand the capability of their handlers at Edinburgh Airport and the their own capabilities of what can happen given all the other sort of disruption that happens across Europe network and so on. So we're trying to help airlines make informed decisions about what they can realistically expect to deliver in the coming weeks. Now, we're right in the heart of it now. This weekend will be our busiest um, weekend and days of the year because the Scottish summer holidays start earlier up here than they do in England. So if we can get through this weekend, we've delivered the, the busiest weekend of the year. Uh, but we've got to keep that up for two months. So what I would, I, we're just encouraging airlines to be is be realistic. Listen to what their handling companies are telling them, if they are telling them about their capabilities. And let's make sure we deliver what we promise rather than disappoint on the day. Do you worry that the, the sector's become less attractive to job seekers? And I also wonder what you're doing specifically at Edinburgh Airport to, to make it, to lure job seekers in. So we've got no problem getting people applying for jobs and we've got a really strong pipeline now. We're pretty much up to um, our full complement. We'll be completing that by about mid-July. So we've not got a problem getting people in. The problem is when you start 
from a, such a low base and you've got so many jobs to fill with with you know training capacity government referencing capacity all these things it's, it doesn't happen overnight so i'm not concerned about us being an attractive employer at the airport i think aviation is a phenomenal place to work and build a career and, and be successful in i think the variety of roles i think is is there to be won again and, and while confidence in the sector has undoubtedly taken a dent over two years when we were in stand down I think that will come back really quickly. It's a great place to work. It sounds like you think it can, but I wonder when you think when the sector will really take off again. Well, it has taken off. I mean, our problem is over demand, not not lack of interest. You know, we're within four or five months of the biggest lockdown we've ever seen in history. We're back to 80, 82 percent of previous demand. That says that there's no shortage of demand. Our challenge is getting levels of service back to where we want to be so that people can look forward to coming to the airport rather than worrying. You know, a big part of the challenge is people are coming much, much earlier because they worry. That actually adds to the problems. So we need to get people back confident that the service levels at the airport are going to be great. So what we can do this year is make sure we disappoint as few people as possible and give people reassurance, and give people reassurance that if you've got a seat, you've got a ticket, we'll get you there. That's the, the, the primary first level of service. And then we can build from there as we get out of the summer peak and we can use the winter to get us back to standards of service that we can genuinely be proud of again. So there may well be a return to that golden age of travel. Gordon Dewar, CEO of Edinburgh Airport, thank you. Thank you. So that's the view of the airports, but what impact are the current troubles really having on the rest of the sector? Joining me now is the Senior Vice President of the World Travel and Tourism Council, Virginia Messina. Thanks ever so much for, for coming on the programme. First of all, I'd like to know your take on this chaos we're seeing in airports around the world. I mean, I think the good news is that recovery is on the way. I mean, we knew that 2022 would be a strong year, and I think we are definitely seeing that. Now, of course, we need to bear in mind that um, in 2020, more than 62 million jobs were lost. So I think the, the, the airlines and, and other providers are really trying to attract these people back to, to, to their jobs. But I think what is clear is that our industries cannot be switched on and off overnight. It takes time for um, all the different providers to prepare. And I think that while unfortunately some of these incidents aren't great for, for customers, it is great to see travel coming back. But the travel sector isn't ready, is it, for a return to normality? I think it is. I mean, I think we knew travel was going to pick up and all the numbers and the data we're seeing, I mean, even the next forecast for the whole next decade until 2032, our sector is going to have an average annual growth of 5.8% ahead of the global economy. So we are going to have a decade of growth. I think we now need to think both public and private sectors, what does this mean? How can we accommodate this growth? And of course, make sure that it's sustainable. So it is, and obviously some, some regions are still not open, so we're not seeing the same traffic and the, the same issues all around the world. It is particularly more in Europe where we're seeing most activity. And of course, America, um, so more than now that, that the antigen test requirement has, has been removed. Let's talk about jobs, because as you mentioned, in the pandemic, there were huge job cuts across the sector. So what kind of recruitment drive would you like to see now? So absolutely. I mean, 
job losses were, um, as we said, really, really hard during um, the pandemic. So more than 62 million people walked away of the sector. And, and, and obviously furlough schemes and all of these different initiatives really helped. But I think the challenge is how do we bring these people back? And I think the other slight challenge is how the world has changed, how technology has advanced, how customers and consumers are now looking for more flexibility, shorter windows of booking. So um, perhaps some of the current um, jobs um, need to change. And, I, and, and we already know of companies that are adapting, that are rethinking some of their models, introducing more part-time or flexible worker, or working or even apprenticeships. So there is a lot happening in terms of workforce, but I think that the biggest challenge will be to make sure that we attract and, and retain some of, these, some of these people and some of these employees. The sector needs investment. So let's talk a little bit about um, capital investment because you know, certainly over the pandemic, budgets got tightened. Do you see things picking up again? I mean, what, what are you hearing from investors um, and how deep their pockets might be? Absolutely. I mean, of course, another area that, that suffered a, a, a strong hit um, during the pandemic, but we are seeing um, sort of light at the end of the tunnel. We know that, again, over the next decade, there will be um, steady investment growth. And, and, and what are investors looking at, as, as you were saying? Um, I think it's a lot now linked to sustainability. So what we, what we have been hearing is that countries or cities that have or that are taking their climate action seriously will be able to attract investment in a more effective way. So obviously, in the past, you're looking at political disruption or less risk in that sense, obviously in incentives and infrastructure and other things, which are still relevant. But I think sustainability has taken a bigger stance when it comes to attracting investment. What, what's, the, what's the sector doing in terms of sustainability, in terms of being cleaner, greener, more efficient? Yeah, I think, I mean, absolutely, this is something that has um, accelerated really during the pandemic is that awareness of, of how we need to really take this seriously. And all of our industries are, are very, very diverse. They have different challenges. Some are more fossil fuel dependent. But of course, there's a lot of technology and technology advancements happening to achieve some of these things like biofuels, sustainable aviation fuels that will really help or sector achieve this transition. But I think the other aspect is that now both policymakers and consumers and everyone's really thinking about this holistic approach to sustainability. So it's not just about climate and net zero, it's also about nature and its biodiversity, but more importantly so, it's also about the huge social impact. So making sure that there's positive benefits to the communities that tourists consume local when they're traveling, that obviously they're employing local people and, and all of these really important social aspects also including diversity, inclusion and accessibility that are critical for that sustainable um, future of travel and tourism. Virginia Messina from the World Travel and Tourism Council, absolute pleasure talking to you, thank you. My pleasure. Still to come here on the agenda, the sustainable future. We'll hear from Finnair CEO Toppy Manor about what's next for the airline industry. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. 
feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house, Chanzhou's Wuzhou. We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. Yes! 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 I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. Welcome back to the agenda. As we know, few industries have been hit harder over the last couple of years than aviation. But might COVID have given the sector a real chance to build back better? And in spite of the current problems we spoke about earlier, to create a new, more sustainable industry? To find out, I spoke to CEO of Finnair, Toppy Manor, about his plans for the future of his airline. We want to position ourselves as a modern premium airline. And uh, we have been investing to improving uh, customer experience during the pandemic. We have been introducing a new long-haul customer experience. We have been refurbishing, we are in the process of refurbishing uh, our wide-body aircraft, introducing a completely new business class seat, uh, a new travel class in the form of premium economy. We have been investing 1 billion euros to new airports uh, in Helsinki, which is just about to open, a uh, beautiful, modern, well-functioning airport. So it is very much about customer experience and competing with high-quality customer experience. When you look at the aviation sector in five to ten years' time, is it going to be about business travel? Is it going to be about the customer experience? And maybe it becoming a luxury, like the golden age of travel? Yeah, I think that uh, travel is such a fundamental need. Uh, for people. Uh, so I'm sure that travel will come back. We are seeing it today. People want to see their friends and their family. People want to go uh, on, ho on a holiday, even in an inflationary uh, environment. And that same goes for business travel as well. I'm, I'm sure that we will be seeing the demand coming back. So uh, probably the future of aviation were, will be a positive one. But there will be important challenges to tackle, and one of them is decarbonizing aviation and making sure that we are environmentally sustainable. So let's talk about that a little more. What would you like to see lawmakers doing to work alongside airlines to, to get to that decarbonization goal? I think that lawmakers are doing a lot already. New regulation is being introduced across the world, including, including Europe. What is important at this point of time is that the new technologies related to sustainable aviation fuel, related to hydrogen, are basically scaled up. And the cost of sustainable aviation fuel is brought down so that it will be possible for airlines to decarbonize aviation while it will be affordable for people to fly. And uh, governments play a big role in that one in terms of subsidizing the scale-up of the technologies but also requiring airlines to do their bit uh, in the equation. In terms of airlines doing their bit, 
can we expect the future of Finnair to be flying on trash or on sugar? <laughs> I don't know, all of those raw materials will be there. When we are talking about biofuels, uh, I think that the important thing is that the raw materials should be defined so that we are not using the kind of feedstock that could be used uh, you know, to feed people or animals. And uh, therefore the choice of raw materials actually is pretty important in order to be truly sustainable uh, over the long run. That's the thing, isn't it? Affordability. Because yes. all of these sustainable fuel possibilities are much more expensive than jet fuel. So where's the incentive? Yeah, I think that the incentive is the globe. <laughs> so, uh, um, so that we all have a place to live. And uh, I think that that's a big incentive uh, for all of us. But we need to remember that uh, aviation I think aviation serves a grand purpose. Uh, aviation prospers when there's peace. Aviation prospers when there's cultural interchange. And uh, you know, one of the learnings from Ukrainian war these days is that we need that cultural interchange in order to maintain peace also go going forward. And I, I think that aviation can help in that one. And in order to preserve that, we need to decarbonize aviation. Are you saying, though, that the downturn in air travel is troublesome but temporary? It is troublesome, uh, but it is temporary. So uh, we, aviation has been uh, uh, facing tremendous shocks. Uh, this has been the worst crisis in the 100-year history of commercial aviation. Uh, but I stated the fundamental need to travel and to meet people is so strong that I, I think that that will be, that will be preserving uh, the avia aviation as an industry and uh, there will be strong incentives uh, uh, for the aviation community to develop aviation going forward. And how are you at Finnair and how's the aviation community uh, adapting their strategic focus to to keep up with these fast-changing, turbulent times? Yeah. It is always about the basics. I mean, you need to focus on the customer, the customer service and the customer experience. And it, it is really good to see that that is now coming back. It is about the sustainability. But then it is also about uh, the uh, sustainability of operations so that we can make sure that our flights come on time, the flights are not cancelled and uh, always about safety in this industry. You talk about delays, you talk about higher fuel costs, higher operational costs. The, these are all challenges that the, the industry faces all the time. So what, what's it going to take? What you, can you realistically achieve in your tenure and beyond? Well, I, I think that uh, uh, we have already done a lot. Uh, so what we as a company now need to make sure is that uh, we adapt to the reality of Russian airspace closure and we make sure that uh, we implement all those strategic focus areas that we have set ourselves to do in terms of customer experience, in terms of sustainability. And uh, that together with uh, coming out of the financial hardship of the pandemic uh, will be a tall order and there's a lot of things to do uh, for for us in Finnair, but also for the aviation community at large.
What about technological innovation? Smart airports, um, digital infrastructure. Uh, where does that all fit into Finair's vision and, and where the industry is going? I think that this uh, industry is generally uh, changing quite a bit in terms of uh, how we form the offerings to the customer, uh, how we get direct access and interaction with the, with the customer, uh, you know, selling, to, selling through uh, website instead of travel agency channels, being truly a business-to-consumer type of company rather than business-to-business -business type of company. And that requires a lot in terms of how we understand the customer, how we use data in terms of understanding the customer, how we put together the offerings to the customers so that they are as relevant as they can be and how we bring them to, to the customers at the right point of time. And uh, that is where digitalization and data come, come into play. And we as a company, we are investing quite a bit to this transformation and have been also taking significant steps forward during the pandemic. Okay, well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Toby. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Coming up on a future agenda, as inflation booms and interest rates rise, are we heading for recession on a global scale? But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all the Agenda team here in London, goodbye.